Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition of the show, we're going to be reacting to Arsenal's emphatic victory over Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. The perfect response after a disappointing trip to Eindhoven in midweek and after having dropped a couple of points at Southampton last weekend. A really positive day at the office for the Gunners. We're going to be talking Reese Nelson, Thomas Partey, Bukayo Saka's injury, and what it means to see Arsenal bounce back after a disappointment so swiftly. We'll be getting into all of that on this live show. If you're watching this on playback, be sure to leave us a uh, like. Uh, if you're, of course, watching it live, leave us a like as well. If you're listening in podcast format, then please do leave us a review as well on your preferred platform. Uh, lots and lots of you in the chat. Big hello to every single one of you. Lovely to see uh, so many people joining us live because it's a late one tonight, uh, which is uh, which is pretty cool, I guess. There's something about this late night vibe. I kind of like it. Um, and I was actually going to ask you guys a question this evening as well, which I'll get to in a bit, but it's around what you want to see in terms of the timing of the show moving forward. Now, I talked a couple of weeks ago to you all about the fact that I feel like because we've lost that bit of consistency in terms of the timings, that it's had a bit of an impact. And what I want to do is um, is try to find a time that works all the time. And I've got a couple of options in mind, but I'm interested to know from you guys in the chat what works best for you. So I'll come to that a little bit later on. Uh, where was it? There was a good comment from Tariq Talks I've got, to, uh, I've got to bring up. Make sure you get over and follow and subscribe to Tariq's channel, by the way. Uh, it's a brilliant channel. Tariq's a top lad. Uh, so make sure that you get over there. And of course, uh, check it out. But he says, let's get this to 20 likes before Harry starts. He will have to do 20 push-ups live on stream if we hit that target. There is not a chance that I'm going to do 20 push-ups on stream, no matter how many likes you put in there. Sorry. <laughs> right, look, let's, um, let's address the elephant in the room first of all, because lots of you are asking in the live chat about the fitness of Bukayo Saka. And the truth is, I don't know an awful lot about it right now. Uh, Mikel Arteta said it was just a kick that he feels it's not anything major. It's not something that we should be losing sleep over. He was asked if Saka would be available for the World Cup. Who cares about the World Cup? Um, it's all about Arsenal. And uh, yeah, look, I don't know how long he's going to be out for. Hopefully it's not long. Hopefully he's available for Chelsea. If it is just bruising after a kick, then there's a good chance that he will be back next weekend. But obviously, we don't really know yet. And knowing the way Arsenal under Mikel Arteta have kind of handled their business when it comes to injuries, 
unless there is something significant to announce, we don't tend to hear anything really. Um, we don't tend to hear anything in terms of confirmation. I mean, look at Zinchenko, still out, still unavailable, still not part of the squad. But, you know, we, we haven't heard anything specific really around what the issue is. We know what was said earlier on and previously, and we've kind of been basing our opinion and view on that going forward. But yeah, you know, he's not he's not back in the picture yet either. So Arsenal will keep this close to their chest. It also, you know, it, is, it keeps the opponent guessing as well. So yeah, look, Mikel Arteta is not going to give you everything. Although I have to say, when he spoke in the press conference after the match, I, I felt as though he was being genuine when he said, we'll know more later sort of thing. Like, I don't really know at the moment. But he obviously was honest and frank about his opinion on what it could be. And he says he thinks it was just a kick, a couple of kicks on the ankle and on the foot. So hopefully, Bukayo Saka can get over that as soon as possible. But he was limping for a while before he actually got taken off. Uh, he then had another collision, another coming together with Renan Lodi, who was really physical at left-back in that first half for Nottingham Forest. Um, and yeah, he picked himself up the final time and he just couldn't go on, dropped down to the ground and that substitution was made. And on came Reese Nelson and what an impact he had. We'll get onto that in just a moment. But first of all, I want to start off by talking about what this means for Arsenal. The fact that Arsenal were able to bounce back so soon after that defeat in Eindhoven and so soon after a disappointing Premier League performance at Southampton in the second half, where we essentially gave up control of a game that we should have been two, three goals to the good in and allowed Southampton to work their way back into it and in the end, snatch a point. They didn't deserve the point um, based on what we'd seen in the first half. I don't even think they really deserved it based on what we saw in the second half from Southampton. They didn't create an awful lot. I can remember them creating literally one chance and taking that chance and obviously uh, punishing us for that. But... October was always going to be a huge, huge challenge for the Arsenal, right? It's, it, it was a big challenge for a lot of teams, but for Arsenal in particular, this was going to be a really stressful month. You know, we talked about it. We looked at the fixtures. We had Spurs. We had Liverpool. We had Manchester City scheduled in. And of course, that game was postponed and wasn't played in the end. But that's because we had to slot in a Europa League game that was cancelled, postponed, I should say, uh, after Queen Elizabeth's death. So, it was always going to be a really heavy month. And if I take you over uh, just quickly to the Arsenal website so we can look at the results and we can just kind of summarise how Arsenal have done in that month, in a month that was a huge month for Arsenal Football Club. Look at this. Tottenham Hotspur on Saturday the 1st, a 3-1 win. A 3-0 win over Bodo Glimt. Then a 3-2 win over Liverpool. A 1-0 win away at Bodo Glimt. Then, of course, we won at Leeds by a goal to nil. We beat PSV at home. We drew with Southampton away. We beat PSV, uh, sorry, we lost to PSV away. And then we come back and beat Nottingham Forest by five goals to nil. Now that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine fixtures in a single month. Nine. That is a lot of football. That's a hell of a lot of football. And we've talked about the squad size and we've talked about, um, you know, the, the fact that you know, there's a few players out that we're having to deal with their absences. And we talked about the intensity with which we play the game and all of those things. And all of those are valid points, of course. 
But just just take a pause for a minute and think about the reaction that we've had over the past week since we obviously went to Southampton, dropped those couple of points and then got beaten in PSV. Think about the reactions since then. Oh, this is the end of Arsenal. Arsenal are falling away. Arsenal are being Arsenal again, I was told by some people. Arsenal don't have the squad to compete. Arsenal don't have the strength to compete. And whilst I still sit on the side of the fence, whereby the general consensus is that we're nowhere near Manchester City in terms of our depth, and probably over the course of the season, we're going to see that and we're going to suffer for that. You have to give Arsenal immense credit for getting through this period. The only game we lost was a group game against PSV Eindhoven, we still remain top of the group and we go into the final game against FC Zurich. And I'm very confident that we will seal victory in the group and we will take that first place. In the Premier League, during that October period where we faced both Liverpool and Tottenham, went away to Leeds, went away to Southampton, played against the Nottingham Forest side today who had beaten Liverpool last weekend and everybody was waxing lyrical about them, myself included. I was really stressed about this game. I went into this game worrying and concerned. I really, really did. I, I said it to you guys on the preview podcast. I got to the ground today and I spoke with some of my colleagues and I said exactly the same thing. I said, I'm worried about today. I'm fearful about today. I worried that Nottingham Forest would come there, would sit deep, would make it really difficult for us in the way they did against Liverpool, essentially probably playing a bit of a back five and then asking us, expecting us, to go and break them down. And we were just lacking that intensity in recent weeks and that sharpness and that zip and that tempo to our game. And I thought, if we're not at it today, we could really struggle. And then bang, five, six minutes in, Arsenal break the deadlock. And that's exactly what you want because it sets the tone. It throws their game plan out of the window. And we benefited from that over the course of the 90 minutes. A couple of super chats coming in. Thank you guys so, so much. Really, really appreciate it. Let's take this one. From Craig, who says, Harry, my friend, we needed this today. Effing dropping a five spot. Hopefully this builds confidence to finish out our remaining games. Hope you're well. I'm all good, mate. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for your very kind donation. It is very, very much appreciated. Uh, let's have a discussion. Uh, thank you for your donation. But I'm not going to read out that comment. I don't really know what that's got to do. Um I don't really know what that's got to do with the topic that we're discussing here, but appreciate the donation. But yeah, as I say, it's not not the right show for it. Uh, Matt Murdoch says, uh, hello from Singapore, Harry. 6 a.m. here and I haven't slept. I'm so buzzed with the win, especially for Reese. Hope his goals gave him confidence so that we can use him for the Europa League. Yeah, confidence must be flowing through Reese Nelson this evening because he's waited a long time for that opportunity in the Premier League. And I was I was commentating on the game earlier today. And, I, and in my commentary, I said exactly this. I said, Reese Nelson will be watching on from the sidelines at Bukayo Saka being treated. He'll be getting stripped and ready to enter the field of play. He'll look across and he will feel sorry for his colleague. He will feel sorry for his teammates that they're about to lose a player who's been really, really important, not just this season, but last season too. He, yeah, he um, he would have looked across at Bukayo Saka and whilst he'd have felt all of those emotions that I've just described, he'd have also been licking his lips, rubbing his hands together because he knew he was going to get an opportunity to play, what, 60, 65 minutes in the Premier League, something that hasn't been 
afforded to him up until now. He knew that he was going to get the opportunity to not just come into a Europa League side where he's playing with our second string players that are not necessarily at the same level players that are in and out of the team too, but he was going to get to go up top with Jesus and Martinelli. He was going to get to have Martin Odegaard feeding him. He was going to get to have Thomas Partey feeding him. And I think it's always important that when you're looking at players and you're trying to judge them, that you do, you know, you watch what you see and you can kind of generally tell if they're good or not or if they're at the level required. But the the stern test, the real test, is when you put them in with the big boys. Because it's no good putting Reese Nelson there and then having Sambi Lakonga behind him. For example, not to shit on Lakonga, but the point I'm trying to make here is that he's not going to play those line-breaking passes that Thomas Partey does anywhere near as often, anywhere near as effectively. So the point I'm trying to make here is that if you put him, if you put him in the first team, that's when you'll see the best of him, naturally. Uh, Tariq says, uh, I saw your tweet from the first half about Nelson being narrow, which I completely agree with. In the second half, he started out wide and worked inside, which afforded him the space for the first goal. You're absolutely right to highlight that it changed quite a bit in the second period. Now, what Bukayo Saka does is he gives Arsenal loads and loads of width, right? Because when you've got somebody playing on the wrong side, can I bring up my tactics board and show you? Am I being a little bit... We are going to do a little bit of a tactical review on this game because I spotted a couple of things today that I really want to talk about. But we'll do that tomorrow. Um, let me just bring up the tactics board just briefly. I just want to explain the point I'm trying to make here. I just want to explain uh, what I'm trying to say. Basically, when Saka, when Arsenal have the ball in midfield, right, with Thomas Partey, very often you see Odegaard go into that half space on the right. You see Xhaka half space on the left. This is how Arsenal like to attack. Saka starts right out on the touchline. Why does he do that? Well, because A, he's playing with his wrong foot. Okay, so that means that he'll want to um, receive the ball in the way that Lionel Messi has done for years and years and years, not comparing the two, but you know what I'm trying to say, where he receives the ball right on the touchline. And that means that when he receives it, he's got all of the pitch inside of him, all of the area inside of him to attack on his stronger foot. Now, if you play narrow, if you tuck into a narrow position and you get it on your left foot here, for example, right, and you receive it there, your, you know, your space is likely to be on the outside of you rather than on the inside of you. Because the more you come inside, the more it can be congested. So Saka likes to start from a really wide position. And very often you'll see Thomas Partey ping a ball from the centre of midfield out to Bukayo Saka. He'll bring it under control. And that's often how Arsenal start their attacks. But when Reese Nelson came on in that first half, he tucked in. He was playing in this kind of space, in the half space that I'm highlighting now. And what did that mean? It meant that he kind of got lost in the crowd. He kind of got lost in the uh, Nottingham Forest defence. And then when Partey was looking up, hoping to ping that ball, the option wasn't there. So that's something that I think I watched in the first half and I, I struggled with a little bit. I thought that that was something that we were suffering with just because, as I say, one of the ways we were hurting Nottingham Forest was by pinging the ball into those wide areas to Bukayo Saka, allowing him to cut inside. And if he didn't cut inside with the ball at his feet, people would make the run inside of him for him to then use because he has vacated that space. And when Nelson came on in the first half, he wasn't doing that. 
But in the second half, there was obviously a tweak. There was obviously an adjustment. He was obviously advised, instructed, whatever you want to call it, to give the team that bit more width. And it worked really well. That doesn't mean, though, that if you give the team width from a starting position that you can't drift in field and you can't come into those half spaces yourself and make something happen when the moment's right, as he did for his goal, as he did for his second goal, which we'll come on to talk to, uh, talk about in a minute. But taking it back again to the kind of wider picture, for Arsenal to get through October the way we have, for Arsenal to bounce back after that setback just the other night as quickly as we have, that is a good sign. Now, some will argue, some will say, our critics will say, that on paper, Nottingham Forest at home was one of the best fixtures you could have had. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it was, but we still had to go out there and win it. And we did it, and we did it emphatically. We'll talk about the team selection just briefly as well, because obviously the big news, the big story going into the game was who was going to play at left-back. We all knew that had Gabriel been passed fit after there was some doubt about his condition, that... Uh, you know, he would play at centre-back alongside William Saliba. But the debate was around about left-back. Who plays at left-back? Uh, I saw a tweet before the game, and it was credited to Mark Mann Bryans, a journalist. I don't know if he actually said this or not, because people do tend to tweet nonsense on Twitter. So I'm, I don't want to, like, dig into the guy. I don't want to, like, um, you know, lay into him or anything like that. But there was a tweet that was going around that was credited to him that said that Kieran Tierney starts along with Tommy Asu as well. And I saw that about 20 minutes before the team news came out. And I was in the press lounge. I was in the media lounge. I also saw a radio colleague had the team written out in front of him before the team news had come out. And it was different to what I expected. And I looked over at his sheet of paper and I went, does he know something that I don't? I hope that that is not the team today. And thankfully, it wasn't. The team news came out and it was Tommy Asu at left back. And Mikel Arteta was asked about it pre-match. And from what I understood, he said something along the lines of it's to keep the team fresh. But I still don't agree with Tommy Asu at left back. I really don't. I just don't. And some people uh, will jump on me and say, well, he didn't do anything wrong today. So why are you having a go? I'm not saying he did. But against Nottingham Forest at home, you kind of get away with it, right? The problem is when you need a bit more. And I'm talking about in an attacking sense. I just don't think he gives you that. I really don't. Has Kieran been at his best this time around, this season, sorry? No, he hasn't. Not at his best. Still got a couple of levels to go up, I think. But the more I think about this, and look, I, I told you guys the other day that I thought that this was part of Mikel Arteta's rotational strategy and that Kieran Tierney just kind of got caught up and lost in it. Now I'm starting to think that there's a deliberate ploy to save his minutes, you know, to, to preserve him because he's not going to the World Cup. Scotland are not going to the World Cup. Tommy Asu will probably play every single game for Japan at the World Cup. So maybe there's something in this with regards to Mikel Arteta looking at the longer term, worrying about Kieran Tierney's minutes because of how he... Um, you know, how he's broken down in the past and how he's become almost notorious for that and thinks that he'd rather manage him really carefully at this stage. Um, Tommy, you know, he does defend well for the most part. There's, you know, when he plays at left back, it's generally good. 
Um, you know, he's always been and always will be a good, strong, powerful defender. But it's the balance that it affects when we try to move forward that concerns me. And I think today we got away with it. We didn't really need it. It was okay. But I think in other games, you'll see that. You'll look at that and you'll think, you know, we were just lacking a bit of flow. So, yeah, I mean, look, obviously whoever plays at left back now is being asked to tuck into that inverted position, almost like a central midfielder at times. And maybe Mikel Arteta's just looked at, maybe he's just looked at, you know, what Kieran Tini does in that role and, and the fact that, you know, he does look a little bit uncomfortable because he has, truth be told, and thinks that there are better options for that. I, I really don't know. It's a difficult one. But again, should we be making a massive, huge deal out of this? No, not necessarily, but I think it is a worthwhile discussion. So the game starts. Wonderful delivery into the penalty area from Bukayo Saka to find Gabby Martinelli. Again, Saka cutting in onto that left foot is on the corner of the penalty area. Ferocious ball whipped into the penalty area, but Martinelli makes a superb run from left to centre, gets across his man, stoops down and heads it into the bottom corner. Goalkeeper, no chance. Fantastic goal and a brilliant way to start the afternoon. It set the tone. It set the tempo. It got the crowd going nice and early. That anxiety that you sometimes feel coming across from the Emirates Stadium crowd was completely gone when, of course, that ball hit the back of the net. It's a superb goal from Martinelli and a great assist from Saka, of course. And then, of course, Arsenal very nearly made a mess of it towards the back end of the first half when Gabriel played a silly pass to Jesse Lingard inside our own penalty area. It was practically on the penalty spot. It was teeing him up. And thankfully, Ben White was there to make a vital block. But that's the kind of rash moment that people talk about when they talk about Gabriel. That's the kind of moment that drives people mad because it's almost just like a rush of blood to the head. There isn't really any thinking behind it. And there's a, a bit of a lack of composure at times. You know, he initially shows quite a bit of composure by not just smashing a foot at it and actually kind of letting the ball run across onto his stronger foot in a difficult situation. But then he's just got to get rid and he doesn't. He tries to be clever, tries to play it simple. Uh, I beg your pardon, tries to play it short and we almost end up up shit street as a result. But we got away with it and we go in at halftime 1-0. And the only sort of negative or black mark against that first half was, of course, that Bukayo Saka injury. But if you were stressed, if you were worried, well, Arsenal's second half performance uh, really did uh, put those anxieties to bed because within four minutes of the restart, Reese Nelson scored a goal. Some uh, fantastic play, a lovely ball uh, from Partey, I think it was, into Xhaka in that half space. He rolls it across the penalty area. It's just behind Gabriel Jesus, who just tees up Nelson, who drops the defender's I think a couple of defenders down on the ground with his dummy inside, shoots, saved by Henderson, comes back to him and he doesn't make the same mistake twice. And there's his goal. Reese Nelson back in the team, back in the Premier League and back on the score sheet. Fantastic. Great to see it. Uh, you could see what it meant to him. And then just moments later, in fact, four moments later, he pops up to add his second and Arsenal third and put the game to bed. Uh, wonderful play uh, from Martinelli on the left. He chipped the ball in towards the far post. Jesus brought it down. He and Odegaard combined. And when Odegaard laid it back off to Jesus, who was to his right, he whipped the ball across the face of the six-yard box. And Reese Nelson was there to turn it in and score his second. Four minutes after that, 
Reese Nelson tees up Thomas Partey for a trademark Thomas Partey strike. Every now and again, they find the top corner. A superb goal from the Ghanaian to make it four. And then Martin Erdegaard added the fifth with a nice bit of footwork and then an emphatic finish. You just want... You, you just, it drives you mad, doesn't it, with Odegaard? How many times have you watched Odegaard since he's come to Arsenal and gone, why don't you just rifle that goalwards? Why are you trying to be so cute? Why are you trying to take that extra touch? Let it fly. And he did that today. And uh, and obviously it gave uh, Dean Henderson in goal no chance whatsoever. And that's what you want to see. Talking about Reese Nelson specifically, does he have a future here? Can he make it here? In the past, I've said no. I've got to be honest, I have. And, and I'm I'm not going to sit here off the back of today's performance and say, yep, yeah, guaranteed, this guy's the guy, he's going to make it. You know, what have we been doing all of this time? I still think he's got a lot to prove. I still think that he's got to show consistency at this level. And that's been difficult for him to achieve because he's not played an awful lot of Premier League football. I totally get that and acknowledge that and understand that. But what I would say is, We've had a lot of false dawns with players. I'm not going to get carried away based on what I saw today. I think he should score both chances. I think it's clear that if he is going to play from time to time instead of Bukayo Saka, that he needs to understand the system a little bit more, um, that he needs to understand the way we play a little bit more, just because, as I mentioned initially, there was that narrowness to his game, which I think made it difficult for us to find him in those areas and he kind of just got lost in the crowd. So I think that's important. All those things can be tweaked though. And and to be fair to him, to give him credit, you know, he hasn't played among this group and he hasn't played at this level for a very, very long time, at least at Arsenal anyway. So is it the new, is it the, the kickstart of Reese Nelson's Arsenal career? Is this the renaissance of Reese Nelson? Well, I don't know what you want to call it. The resurrection. I don't know. Um, I don't know that I'm going to get that carried away. I think he's always had talent. I think he's always had ability. I think he's always been someone that gets people off their seats. And I think he's someone that is probably in the last chance saloon now when it comes to Arsenal. And he got an opportunity today. He took it with both hands, but he's got to continue to do so when those opportunities present themselves. So love what I saw from him today. Really enjoyed his performance in the second half. Thought it was superb but I'd still rather we go out and get another winger, I guess is where I was going with this. Um, I also wanted to talk about Thomas Partey. I mean, listen, let me put a little caveat in before I sort of go off waxing lyrical about Thomas Partey. Nottingham Forest was so bad at cutting out the balls to him, was so bad at getting in and around him and preventing him from breaking lines, was so bad... um, in their attempts to try and stop him controlling the game. But having said that, Thomas Partey did all of those things to an incredible level. Receiving the ball from the back line, turning in space, playing simple passes when that was the right thing to do, but also recognising when there were gaps in that Nottingham Forest midfield and breaking lines, finding the Odegaards, the Xhaka's, the Martinelli's, the Saka's, the Nelson's, who were in between those lines. And that would then allow Arsenal, once they received the ball in those positions, to turn and attack Nottingham Forest's back line in isolation. I was actually surprised that Forest played with a back four. I thought, given the way they lined up at, against Liverpool, they might have looked at using a back five. 
I'm surprised they didn't try that at the Emirates. Instead, they opted for the additional midfielder. And I thought they really suffered for that because the back four were being pulled all over the place. I, I get why they did what they did. They wanted to go toe-to-toe in midfield. They felt that they couldn't cope, maybe couldn't live with our midfield with just a couple of players there. Um, but it weakened their backline significantly. And, you know, I, I guess maybe if the game went different in the sense of if we didn't break the deadlock as early as we did, then, you know, maybe we'd be looking at it with hindsight and, and saying something different. But I just think, you know, would they have conceded that goal if they set up with a back five? Would that space have been there? Maybe not. Would there have been an extra centre-half in the box to deal with Saka's cross, perhaps? All ifs and buts, of course. But, I mean, Thomas Partey just continues to perform to an incredible standard. Scoring goals, but not just that. Breaking the lines, as I say, getting us moving, controlling the midfield, gobbling up any loose balls in and around him. They used to call him the octopus back in the day, and you can see why, because his reach is incredible. I would go as far right now as saying that Thomas Partey, fit, firing, as he is now, is the best defensive midfielder in the Premier League. I would go as far as saying that. I think he's got it all. I think he's the complete package. And that's why I'm struggling to think of someone else in their peak of their powers that I would prefer to him. Talking about current Premier League players. Think about Man City, Rodri. He's he's got a fair bit as well, to be fair. But outside of that, is there anyone else? Is there anyone else that can defend as well as Thomas Partey does, that can break lines the way Thomas Partey does, that can dictate the tempo and rhythm of football matches the way that Thomas Partey does, and that can score absolute screamers like Thomas Partey does? Interesting. I'd love to know what you guys think. Uh, another player I want to talk about is Gabriel Jesus. We'll do that in uh, in just a moment. Uh, I mentioned to you guys that there were a couple of slots I was considering uh, to put the uh, daily podcast. Now, this will obviously be different on match days. Um, but, you know, sometimes we like to talk about different games as well. Um, you know, different goings on. Sometimes we talk about, we like to talk about the Champions League a bit or, or whatever. And... The timing of our shows doesn't really allow for us to do that. But one of these proposed times might help with that. So my question is, what time would you prefer the daily live streams to be? Um, now, remember, this is UK time, OK? So I know a lot of you are not in the UK. So the two options I'm thinking of right now, just to make it possible for me, are 7 p.m. UK time and 10 p.m. The reason I've gone with those two is because none of them would affect or impact my work. None of them would impact what I'm doing um, outside of the Chronicles of Aguna, and therefore I can keep that consistency. So please do um, vote in the poll that's now gone into the live chat box. I'd love to hear uh, you guys' thoughts, and I will try as best as I can to accommodate whichever one um works for you guys best or whichever one the majority of you want but you know I, I do have to double check my schedule once again so I'm not promising I'm just interested uh to know what you guys are thinking um and what time you'd prefer and what time most of you would be happiest tuning in okay let's talk Gabriel Jesus because at the moment he just can't buy a goal can he but this is the thing Remember when we signed him? Remember when people were questioning his goal record? Do you remember when people were saying he's never scored X amount of goals 
in a Premier League season or more than X amount of goals in any given Premier League season. And I always said that Gabriel Jesus will bring you so much more than goals. He brings you assists. He brings you work rate. He brings you link-up play. He sets the tone. He brings you experience. Brings you all of those things, this Gabriel Jesus. And he's impacting this Arsenal attack imp impressively, despite not scoring himself. He tried today. He really did. He was played through on goal in the second half. He tried to open up his body and just fire it towards the far corner, almost Thierry Henry-like style, and it just didn't come off. It didn't work. He also tried to get on the end of a Ben White flick on from a corner at the near post, and he was inches away from getting something on that. Any contact from where he was, the ball would have gone into the back of the net and he'd have finally had that goal. But don't be, um, you know, don't be alarmed by the lack of goals from Gabriel Jesus right now because I think anybody who watches Arsenal on any given day can see how impactful he is, can see how key he is to this team, can see what a huge part he plays for this team and what a huge part he plays in our build-up. Yeah, you know, and look, when someone's not at it in terms of their finishing and, and finding that finishing touch, if they give you the work rate that he does, then... <laughs> You, you got to be happy, right? You got to be satisfied. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at on that. Um, those were the points that I can remember off the top of my head. I, I stupidly, right, earlier on today, I stupidly wrote some notes down during the game that I could then use on the podcast tonight. And then I binned them by accident when I was packing up my stuff at Emirates Stadium earlier. So, um, yeah, I might have missed something. Let me know. Uh, in the chat, if there's anything else you want to discuss. In fact, start getting some of your questions over. Uh, while you do that, while you give us your questions, I just want to bring you guys um, a quick message with regards to our membership proposition. Another bit of members content will be dropping for you guys on Tuesday this week. If you want to sign up and support the Chronicles of Aguna, uh, you can do so by going over to anotherslice.com. Uh, you can create your account via the option at the top of the page. Once you've done that, you log in with your credentials and you subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. With that, with that subscription, you'll get access to the, all this premium content that is available only to our members. And there's also exclusive stuff going on there as well from time to time, which isn't available anywhere else. Now, it's £6 a month, but part of that will go to the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital because we are going to be making a donation to them from our membership pot on a monthly basis. Um, lots of you have signed up already. If you do sign up in the coming days, then I will gift you a month's free membership. And don't worry, existing members who have already signed up, I'm going to be gifting you one too. Uh, but I'm only going to keep that offer going uh, for a little bit longer. So if you are interested, please do jump over, get involved. Once you've signed up on anotherslice.com forward slash Chronicles of Aguna, the link is in the description, by the way. You can then download the Another Slice app on your phone and you can have all the content at your fingertips. Listen to it on the go. You can download episodes so that you can listen to them offline. And there are little samples of each episode as well. We did a member's mailbag last week. Uh, we'll probably wait a couple of weeks before we do another one of them. But we've got some other bits of content, as I say, coming members' way uh, on Tuesday. All shall be revealed. Uh, don't forget to leave a like on this video. Where are we at in terms of likes? We've got 130. It's not bad. Let's try and get to 200. There's more than enough of you watching 
for that to be uh, achievable. So, uh, yeah, please do like, subscribe as well. Right, question time. Let's go over. Uh, John P says, I am pleased for Reese, but do you think this might give the club an excuse not to invest in a wide forward? Oh, interesting, isn't it? It's really interesting because, look, if you're asking me where I am on Reese Nelson, and I, listen, I'd love to be proven wrong. I would love it. I would love it, as Kevin Keegan would say. I would be delighted if he proved me wrong. But I am on the fence still about Reese Nelson, despite what I saw today, which was obviously positive and obviously good. I'm still a little bit concerned about whether he'll be able to maintain that level of performance and that level of impact moving forward. Um, yeah, so I, I hope they don't use it to kind of paper over cracks. I don't. I hope they don't use that excuse. But ultimately, look, I think that'll be on Mikel Arteta. Does Mikel Arteta think he's good enough? If he does, then maybe he'll ask for money to spend on other areas. Maybe he won't ask for anything at all. But as much as Mikel Arteta spoke highly of him and was praised, uh, praising of him sort of in the post-match press conference, I still don't think that Mikel Arteta is under any illusion or thinks that Reese Nelson is the answer and nobody else is. And that's that. And, you know, we shouldn't concern ourselves um, with the idea of bringing someone in. I don't think Mikel Arteta sees it that way. I don't think he sees it as being that black or white, but that's just um, that's just my opinion. I don't think it will impact the plans that are probably already in place for January. What I will say is I hope Arsenal do, you know, look at what we've done over the course of last season in terms of progress, improvement. Look at what we've done at the start of this season and back Mikel Arteta because he bloody deserves it. And we could really keep that momentum going if we go out and, um, and you know, bring in a couple of players to just bolster that squad a little bit in the areas where we're a little bit light. And hopefully that takes us as a group onto another level. Uh, Arsenal Granny says, how about Ben White, the unsung hero? Tariq says, what were your thoughts on Ben White's performance today and the significance of his block at 1-0? So lots of people asking about Ben White. He was superb today. Again, he's been great at right back. Honestly, he's been so fucking good. I think he's been you know, as good as William Saliba, for example, who obviously is playing in a different position, but it's all, it's felt all season as though he's the one that's taken all the plaudits. Gabriel's the one that's taken all the shit. Ben White's the one that's gone under the radar and the left back position is the one that we're always debating. So credit to Ben White, because there isn't a debate about right back anymore. I don't care what anybody says, even when Tommy Asu's fit, even when Tommy Asu's available, even when Zinchenko's back and Tommy Asu probably doesn't play at left back anymore. Ben White is still my right back right now because since he started playing there at the start of the season, I can't remember him putting a foot wrong. Creambone, Trev, how you doing, mate? He says, Harry, do you think um, it's a happy coincidence that both men and women's teams are top of their tables or a club thing? Arsenal have always been incredibly um, strong in the women's game. They've always been trailblazers in the women's game. Good to see them uh, sort of fighting right at the top of the division. And obviously, uh, our team, our beloved uh, men's team that we all follow so closely is moving on the right track as well. Um, ben Russell says, thoughts on Sambi's chances of making it at Arsenal this season. Dropped a bonus uh, video the other day about this uh, off the back of the PSV game. I said, you know, what is Sambi's best role and does he have um, a future at Arsenal? And to be honest with you, I'm not sure what his best role is. I, what I do know is it's not that in the sixth position. 
So does he need to play a little bit more further forward? Maybe. Um, does he have a chance of making it Arsenal on recent evidence? I think he's going to struggle. I really do. I really do. Uh a little bit of a negative one. Are you disappointed in how long it might take Fabio Vieira to adapt in this league? We're already light in midfield and I was hoping he could hit the ground running. I think his technical level is there for everyone to see. His left foot is brilliant. You know, his ideas are good. He's got that football brain. He drops into the right spaces, gets into the right holes. I think he's got a lot going for him, but I'm worried about his physicality. That was my big worry about him right at the start. Um, you know, when we signed him, I looked at videos of him and I thought he looked really slight. I've seen him, you know, obviously in the flesh a lot this season. And I do think he looks like sometimes when he goes into a challenge, it looks like a man versus a boy. And I don't really know how you address that too much. Like, how can you bulk up so much without losing something else? Maybe it's not his body frame, his natural body frame, I mean, and, and therefore it's difficult for him to bulk up. I don't know, but... I'm still willing to give him time and, and I'm sure Arsenal will give him time. You know, they invested a, a hell of a lot of money in him. But yeah, I hope that he'd have had more impact than he has. I think his last few performances have been uh, a little bit um, a little bit below par. Uh, Richie says, slightly concerned about the substitutes, i.e. at times I feel I lost the formation due to how many players come on. Do you feel the same? No, look, I think we've talked about what a demanding month October was all the big things that we've got coming up, the big games that we've got coming up. And I think Mikel Arteta is just trying to use the squad, albeit not the biggest squad, in the best way that he possibly can so that we can go um, as far as we possibly can. So, no, I'm not um, I'm not worried about that. Not when you're 4-0 up. When the game state allows it, then make the changes by all means. Uh, let's take this one. Uh, M says, uh, if Saka is ruled out for Chelsea, who plays for you, Reese or Vieira? Uh, Reese for me. Um, I'm not sure. I, I liked the idea of Vieira playing on one of the flanks. Do you remember I, I said that when we signed him? And I've been saying it repeatedly uh, since he joined the football club. But on recent evidence, I'm not sure now. I'd go with Reese based on format. You know, Reese came in today, made an incredible impact. How can you then drop him out of the side? If Bukayo Saka is unavailable, of course. Let's take a couple more. Uh, Dappy says, uh, what do you think of following Balligan's performances on loan in France? Oh, he's been great. He's been fantastic. And I'm really happy for him. You know, he's another one that, you know, needs to at some point make that step up and go to the next level. And, you know, it seems like Arsenal are managing to get that out of players now and, and have made some smart decisions with regards to letting people go out on loan, i.e., William Saliba, look at the centre-back that's come back to us from Marseille. Uh, but following Balogun, seven goals and two assists in 13 league and appearances uh, this season so far or since joining them. That is pretty damn good, isn't it? Fair play to the lad. Um, it's a good place to go and learn your trade. It's a good place uh, to play sort of, you know, um, regular football. And fingers crossed he comes back a better player for it and, and we can benefit from that in the future. OK, let's take um, one more uh, before I jump off. Uh, Zaki says, could Arteta overlook buying a new midfielder in January now that we have Elneny back in training? That's a lot of people's fear, right? Look, Elneny is Elneny. He's limited in some ways, but he's also a very good professional and he's a very, very good um, person to have in and around the dressing room based on lots of accounts that I've heard and read. 
I'm glad he's back because it gives us another option. And to be honest with you, from the defensive side, I prefer El Nenny to be in there than Lokonga. Lokonga doesn't give us the ball progression that Thomas Partey does. He doesn't break the lines anywhere near as often as Thomas Partey does. Yet he doesn't give us defensive stability either. At least with El Nenny, you get one, you get one area um, sort of covered really strongly and that's that defensive area there's a lot to be desired when it comes to on any progressing the ball and all of that stuff i totally get that but i just think at least it gives you that solidarity which we could do with um at times and in certain scenarios and situations i still think as i said earlier i still think arsenal will go and spend money in january i think obviously a bit like last time though they'll be looking for the right players if those deals can be done they'll do them i'm sure um but you know it's not it's not the strategy. It's not part of our DNA anymore to just go crazy in the market and drop massive amounts of money on people unless we believe and know that they can be a big, big help moving forward. But yeah, thank you. Thank you all so, so much for your brilliant questions and thoughts as well on the game. Let's just do a quick summary and then I will bid you all a farewell and we can all go off and watch match of the day. Um, look, big response was needed today. You know, it was... Really disappointing to watch Arsenal struggle in the second half at Leeds and then struggle in the second half at Southampton, get beaten in Eindhoven. We needed that response. We needed it. Mikel Arteta needed it. The fans needed it. The fans needed that reassurance that this team is making progress and is moving in the right direction. And they got that today in the shape of a 5-0 win over a Nottingham Forest side that have been really stubborn of late. So the response was the perfect one. Reese Nelson has given Mikel Arteta something to think about. He's at least put himself ahead of Marquinhos. You could argue that earlier in the season, that might not have been the case. I know Nelson was injured, but, you know, in Mikel Arteta's mind, he might have been looking at Marquinhos as being ahead of him. The resilience shown to bounce back, the mental strength to bounce back, the lovely tribute to Pablo Marie pre-game, um, you know, all of that stuff made it a good enjoyable day at Emirates Stadium. The only bit that tarnishes, or the only thing that tarnishes it just a touch is that injury to Bukayo Saka. But like I say, I'm hopeful that it isn't too serious and hopefully we can see him back in the team for long. Thank you all so, so much. Really, really appreciate you all tuning in. Remember, leave a like on the video. Remember, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Remember, if you want to become a member, the link is in the description. Head over to another slice. Sign up. Um, it would be very, very much appreciated. You'll get access to some of our members' content, as well as supporting me and the charity as well. Right. I'll see you all tomorrow with another show. Um, in fact, let's just quickly check in on what that result was. What time do you guys want the show to be? The majority of you, 56%, want it at 7 p.m., whereas 45% of you want it at 10 p.m., I was leaning slightly towards 7 p.m. as well, because if there are any games that we want to watch, right, I'm not talking Arsenal games, I'm talking generally, they don't kick off before 7, um, sort of generally speaking. So that covers that. Uh, also, it's much earlier, which means I do get an evening uh, after I finish work because I'll be done by about 8 o'clock, uh, which is cool. Um, yeah, I'm leaning towards the 7 p.m. thing and I can see you guys are as well, but... There's no reason why we can't slot in an additional 10 p.m. from time to time. Look, the pre-match ones when, we, when I get back from games tend to be uh, around about those hours anyway. But yeah, 
match days, it'll be different. But for every other day, I think we're probably then going to go with 7 p.m. But I'll confirm that, of course, on the next show. See you all soon. Take care. Sleep well and up the Arsenal. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.